verse number 30, and uh, we will uh, just kind of work our way down through here, these, these events and so forth. Mark 6, verse number 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So this will bring us back up to verse 12, reach back into verse 12 and 13. And they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And uh, Mark then goes in in verse 14 to 29, the, the historical event there about Herod uh, and the murder of John the Baptist and those events that just as the Lord sends out the disciples and really without him, as they're going to face the rank unbelief within the nation, they were also going to be facing uh, the po politics and the political, the governmental opposition as well. So then he, so they, verse 30, they come back, they get together. Uh, they've told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Verse 31, and he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So he, 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 we have this interaction between the Lord and the disciples here. Uh, he, uh, he doesn't, in the face of the opposition coming out of the stuff here about John the Baptist and their rank, the Lord doesn't hide. He doesn't stop. He then sends them out. The, the 12 are in training, so he's getting them out there. He's getting them going. If you look there at verse 30, he says uh, that when they were, the apostles were gathered together and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. You'll, you, you'll notice that they switched the order. They tell him what they did, and then they tell him what they taught. The order in verse 12 was that they go preach that men should repair, and verse 13, they cast out. So the order was go teach and then go uh, do the miracles. So the miracles were going to uh, validate the message. But in their thinking, the miracles had precedent in their thinking over what they were preaching so you have an issue here that what begins really to happen here is you begin to see their maturity and how the fact really is is that it's easy to get caught up even for the apostles in the physical thing the the miracles and uh, rather than getting caught up in just the message so he says to them there in verse 31 Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. And, and again, this, this, uh, he says this to them. It's, it's more than the issue of them being overwhelmed or them being tired. It, he, it is an issue of them taking a break, not a vacation. That's why he calls it and rest a while. There, there's an issue here more than them saying, okay, look, we're going to go to the Caribbean for the week and just take it easy and regenerate. And I read a guy years ago about being burnt out for Christ, and I'm like, how do you get burnt out for Christ? And there, that's, not a, that's, that's something that he's not talking about here. You'll notice he's in verse 31, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. 
If you look there at verse 32, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So this isn't, uh, the desert issue here is not the, the, the Sahara or the Mojave or the high desert or the low desert, because obviously they're going to get there by ship. Um, if, if you come over to Luke chapter 9, the issue of the desert place is it's, it's really, it's a sense of a deserted place, uh, a, an empty place, a place where they could have a little respite. Um, Adam and Eve, he makes the garden eastward in Eden, and that garden idea of the home is to be a place of respite, a place of rest, a get out of the, the well, they're, what are they doing? They're coming they have no leisure. They can't even get something to eat. There's so much activity going on. So then let's get into a desert place. So it really, that desert ha- has a deserted kind of a, co- a private place, uh, a, a, pri- some, a place that isn't occupied. Uh, they can go. They can be over by themselves. They can, it, they're going to have to take a ship to get to it. Um, so it's not the desert like you know, go out and back into, you know, Arabia, you know, and like, and like that. It's more of a, of a secluded place, a more of a place where they can come and get there. If you look in Luke 9, by the way, this, uh, this information that we're reading about in Mark 6, and then subsequently the feeding of the 5,000 sits in all four Gospels, and we'll see why here in, in a minute. It sits there in Matthew 14, Mark 6, where we're at, Luke 9 here, and John 6. And it's, it's really wonderful when you recognize what's going on here. By the way, all four Gospels in the presentation of the, uh, of the Messiah and that portrait will then present the information in, in those portrait manners. Um, and we'll see that in Mark 6. It's at the end of the day where they go get the fishes. In John 6, they ask the young man, the kid, about it early in the day. And then by the end of the day, they get it. So it's just things like that. But look at Luke 9, and look at verse 10. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. So again, that's where they're at. They're going to take the ship. They're going to go over. So when you come back to Mark 6, verse 31, they're, they're look, they're, they go over into a private place, come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They're, they're, they come over into this private place. Let's get a little rest here. Um, they, and, and again, it's needed from time to time to kind of catch your breath and, and get going. But they have a lot of activity. So, he, and you know, you, you don't really want to get overworked. These guys weren't. They were excited to tell the Lord and get caught up and everything. And yet he was asking them to come be a part with him. Come over here, let's get away from everything, and you come and be with me. Not just go take a break, but that's what he says there in verse 31. He said unto them, Come yourselves apart into the desert place and rest a while. For there were many going, Come over here, let's be with me. 
And if you think about what's happened with the apostles, they have been working with him. He's been training them. Then he sends them out without him. And now he wants to come back over here and spend time with me. And really that, that, that uh, personal time with the Lord is what is needed. And you, sometimes you can get caught up in the activity and the doing. And what happens is, is if you don't have the personal time with the Lord, that, that activity and that constantly doing and that going and going, it actually becomes mechanical. And you're just doing it because that's what you've always been doing. You've just been going on and on and on. So these guys, even Paul, even us today, you know, you just, you know, constantly going, going, going without that personal time with the Lord. So they're still in training. He's still teaching them. And really, Mark 6.31, what he's talking about here is... For the Lord, it's him first. And they said, let's, here's what we did, and then here's what we preached. And the Lord says, no, you got that wrong. You need to, I need to be the focus point. You need to come and uh, let's get back on track. And again, at this point in their ministry, you have to remember that they're not quite fully functioning on all cylinders yet. If you come back and mark, Come back there to chapter 4, 4.13. He said unto them, these are the apostles, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know? They don't know the parable. They don't understand the parable. So he explains it to them. 4.41, the the issue here of the, uh, of the, the storm, and the Lord is sleeping, he gets up, comes, Verse 41, 441, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, they're not quite there yet. They're still learning. They're still in training. Uh, Chapter 6, if you look there at verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Again, we're going to see the feeding of the 5,000, then we're going to see the Lord walk on the uh, on the sea, and they are all caught up, and they're having a problem with the storm, with him walking on the st- in the storm and all that. Why? Because they didn't pay attention to what he just did with the feeding of the five thousand, and what that means. So when they, if you, if you come over to chapter seven, um, look there at verse uh, eighteen. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Pay attention. You're not paying attention, guys. And, and there's, there's a simple doctrinal thing there. When we get over in chapter 7, we'll look at it. They're not quite getting it all. That's the point. So when you come back into Mark 6 here, and... The idea of them coming away into a desert place, again, a secluded area, not desert in the sand and the dunes, because we're going to get on a boat and go to it here in a minute. It, it's more of a private area, again, like deserted. 
And, and it's very fascinating when you just read the verses and let the verses say what the verses say and not try to read into stuff. Then as we get into the feeding of the 5,000, we'll see that here. They didn't just go and take a vacation because they were burnt out from a few weeks of work. All right? They didn't just take a Sabbath day off. And again, that Sabbath day rest issue. Uh, you know, if I study in Romans 11, getting ready for Sunday, if Israel had paid attention to the Old Testament and what was going on, they would have not have been so far gone as where they ended up. That's exactly here where the Lord is. So the, he, he gets them together so that they can take a break and get away from the crowd. Have, again, verse 31, they had no leisure so much as to eat. All right, let's get you caught up. But, they, but the critical thing here is, is that they were apart with the Lord. They were, they were with him. And they were getting back in touch with him and how he was functioning. And with the Lord, it was always message first and then the miracle to back it up. They had gotten the kind of it out of, out of order. They were telling him about the physical and the miracles. And then, oh, yeah, and by the way, we did preach, you know, the message. But this is what happened, you know. And that's how you can get caught up in those things. And, and again, if Israel had taken every Sabbath, what the Old Testament told them to do. By the way, the Sabbath is, was on, in Genesis there, when he rests, the Lord wasn't worn out when he got done creating. He wasn't, you know, uncle, I'm done. He's like, no, this is why I created creation to come and dwell with you, Psalms 132. And when I do that, here's what's going to happen. In Israel, here's why I created man. Here's what Israel's created for. And if Israel, you're to stop, you're to take a moment, what do they say? Take a beat, <laughs> take a breath, okay? I get caught up every now and then with the slang of the day. They take a minute, and they get caught up with what he's doing and why they created it and remember that. Then really their attitude about the Lord, about Messiah, would have been a, a greatly different. So that's the idea here of the rest, it, it, they, that kingdom rest. And the whole purpose of it here was for them to get back in touch with him. To, he, he's refreshing them. He's training them in the purpose of who they are and what they're going to be doing and so forth, not only in his presence, but now also in his absence. So we come to verse 32. And again, the feeding of the 5,000 sits in all four Gospels. And, the, and it's critical to catch this because of the picture it is painting. Now, we're in Mark. Mark is, portrays the Lord as a servant. Mark bottom lines it. Matthew, here's the king. Here's the, great, here's the words of the king. Here's what he says. Luke, here's the man. Here's how he felt about this. Here's John. He's the son of God. Boom. He's deity. This is the deal. Mark comes in as a servant and says, hey, here's the bottom line. We're going to get right to the, immediately right to the bottom line. So verse 32, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And, and again, desert place, he's not talking about out there down in Saudi Arabia on the back end. He's talking about a deserted place, a private place. And the people saw them departing 
and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. Notice, <laughs> again, here's another, they get caught up, people get caught up on that desert thing, and then they get caught up here in, in verse 33 on the, they thither out of all cities. Well, when he says all cities, he's not talking about out of Rome too, or out of Phoenix, or out of uh, Cyprus. He's talking about the area. If you look down at verse 50, uh, 55, and ran th through that whole region round about, and began to carry about. See that thing about the whole region? That's what he's talking about. He, he's talking about the, he defines really the all cities as the whole region. He's not, it's like that thing in Matthew 3 when all of Judea came to John the Baptist. Not everybody in Judea came, okay? Every, not, again, you know, it just, it, the idea is, is that there's no exception to who can come. So again, as you read down through the, this desert and the cities and everything, just let your Bible say what it says and take that normal reading and the sense of it and everything. Verse, six, uh, verse 34, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Now, there's a, there, there's a lot going on here. And, and now verse 35, and when the day was now far spent. See that thing about the day far spent? So this Mark's recordings here are at the end of the day. But notice this issue about him seeing them, verse 34. And the first thing he did was he, he had compassion on them. And when he came out and saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to what? Teach them. The first thing he does is he begins to teach them. Come, come over with me to Psalms 132. And this thing here about the compassion and the teaching. The word was to be first. He came to, to serve. He came to do that, but, and he's going to feed them. But the first thing is he taught them. Now, he's going to follow up the teaching with the miracle and with the, the feeding. But the first thing he did is he's going to be their shepherd. They're as sheep without a shepherd. So in the Psalms, and literally what we're going to see him do here is he's going to start fulfilling some of the Old Testament pictures of the Messiah. And he's literally going to demonstrate himself to be the Messiah. And any Jew, Psalms 132 is about the Davidic covenant, any Jew that understood the Old Testament would have caught on to what he was doing. When he said, when he says, says there, they were as sheep not having a shepherd. That's a quote out of Psalms. We'll see it in just a minute. And he's right with them. Uh, Psalms 132, verse 1. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. And I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber of, to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Dave, 
David wanted to build the Lord a house. 2 Samuel 7. He wants to do it. That's a great desire of him. And the Lord says what? And you can't do it. You can lay in the provisions. Here's the blueprints. But your boy uh, Solomon's going to do it. Now drop down to verse 8. Arise, O Lord, notice, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. So he's wanting to build a place for the Lord to have a habitation, and he's wanting to build a place of rest. Verse 11, the Lord has sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant, my testimony, that I shall teach them. Notice, teaching is first. Their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. What's he going to do? Thy rest. Mark 6, what did he tell them to do? You come over here, part with me privately, and what? Rest. That's, that's that idea here of the Lord resting in Israel and Jerusalem and so forth. But he's going to teach them. That's the issue. They're going to teach, they're going to learn, they're going to grow. Verse 13, for the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever, here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Again, key verses on why, why creation was even created. What's he going to do? A place for him to dwell, for him to habitate. I will abundantly bless her provision. Now watch. I will satisfy her, her poor with bread. Now, Jehovah's talking. We're talking about his habitation. We're talking about his rest. We're talking about the kingdom. And what does he say he's going to do? I will what? Satisfy her poor with what? Bread. That's what the feeding of the 5,000 is going to point to. He's fulfilling in this prophetic picture here the prophetic type, and in Mark 6, and really Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the whole of the feeding, and the, the, he's demonstrating himself to be the Jehovah who will come, set up the kingdom, provide the rest, and then feed the poor, feed the people with bread. That's what he's picturing. So when he... so when. When you come back to Mark 6, what we're seeing is a picture of you're not seeing a picture. We're seeing the fulfillment of him fulfilling the picture, the prophetic picture of the Messiah, Jehovah, feeding God's people. So what Psalm, David was talking about, a song of degree, Hezekiah's guys were talking, is the, and the Lord says, I'm that. You see that? That's me. Okay? Mark 6. Um, by the way, let's, there's a passage in Psalms. Hang on here. I got to... So, uh, Mark 6, look, if you will, at verse 35 again. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about 
and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? <laughs> That's a, they're rebuking the Lord. What are you, nuts? We only got like eight bucks amongst us. How are we going to feed all these people? You know, there's uh, the account, Mark and, and Luke and John, they, there's 5,000 men and women and children. So there's quite a big crowd here. But notice what, what he's doing here. Verse 35, and the, when the day was now far spent, John 6, when they go talk to the boy about getting the fishes and stuff, that takes place early in the day. So they're talking to him early, and then they go get it at the end of the day from the boy. Okay? Verse 39. Just, uh, just kind of get the verse 38. And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they saw five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up into heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to the, his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of fishes. And they did eat of the loaves. And, and they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand Men. So again, the, the, that prophetic picture of him feeding the poor, feeding the people. Okay, if you come back to Psalm 78, also what you have going on here is Psalm 78. You have a picture here. The prophets have been talking about it. David's been talking about it. Here, here is Asap. He's going to talk about this issue. And the Lord is saying, hey, look, guys. What the Psalms and the Law and the Prophets were talking about was me. I'm here. I'm doing this. Now, the believing remnant, get it. The, the apostate nation just stumbles right on over. Okay? Psalm 78. Notice verse 17. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. So where are we? In the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? That is exactly what the disciples just asked in Mark 6. How are you going to feed all these people? We, don't, we only got eight bucks. You know, I went over here to Popeye's for dinner. Shouldn't have did that, but I did anyway. Break the diet one night. You know, I come away for $10 late. I'm like, dude, I got, I got $10. I took my last 10 you know, there it is. And he's like, how are you going to feed all these people on five and two? Five? That's exactly what's happening. What are you going to do? He's already fed them, you know. You're in Psalm 78. Look over at Psalms 105. See, that, that question is a really a rebuke or a question of, unbelief not, they're not there yet they're not maturing yet look at psalms 105 by the way has he fed them in the wilderness before oh yeah a little manna bread five 105 verse 40 notice this 
The people asked, and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. Now, there's a picture they understand there. They're eating bread, and they got the fish. But manna, that's what he's talking about, the bread of heaven, the, corn of the, the, bread of the, the food of the angels. But what does he do in Revelation 12? He feeds them in the wilderness. There's a table of, in the wilderness. Micah 7, Jeremiah 50, he actually tells them where to go to, get the, to find the table. Lays it out for them. They understand that. And so in Mark 6, what he's doing is he's just demonstrating that he is the one that's going to do this. He's going to lay it out, okay? By the way, you're in Psalms. Just look over there at Jeremiah 50, just so you can see this. You know, sometimes I make comments and I say things and people go, huh? But when in Revelation 12, when Satan is cast down and he's uh, running, you know, chasing Israel, that believing remnant, they run out into the wilderness. There, there's places that they are going. If you look here at Jeremiah 50, if you look there at verse 17, Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him. And last this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, hath broken his bones. You go read Amos over there. I think it's like Amos 4. The Assyrians take them. Those five courses of judgment, they're instant. They're bam, 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 bam. The ten northern tribes are gone. Judah, a little different. Nebuchadnezzar comes up three times. On the third time, that's where he takes Daniel Takes, leaves Jeremiah and Isaiah in the land, but then takes Daniel out. But look at verse 19. I will bring Israel again to his habitation, and he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. Those are places that they're going to find the table. If you come over to Micah 7, Micah 7, those are literally the places that they're going to go to in the wilderness to get, okay? Micah 7, look at verse 14. Micah 7, 14. Now, these are all 70-week tribulation passages. Jeremiah 50, they're in Babylonian captivity. They're under Gentile governorship. Picturing that end times over here. Micah 7, here it is, verse 14. Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of, thine inher- of, of thy heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. Well, you see that, as in the days of old? Well, come back to Exodus. Exodus 16, here are the days of old. See, the stuff just isn't just with Israel. It's not just, uh, okay, we're feeling, you know, it's a great story, cool. It's no, it's setting the stage so that at that end time over here, when it's time for the Messiah to come, the king to come and set up, they're going to go underneath that rod of the adversary, of the Antichrist, and he's going to say, just as it was in the days of old, in the days of her youth, it's going to be that right over there. And the Lord's over there going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm the one. And they, they 
They biffed it. <laughs> Exodus 16. I found a page on Instagram about uh, if you were, you're cool if you're born in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. It's all one. And it's got a lot of old stuff. And Biff was on there the other day. <laughs> and then uh, what was the other one? Uh, Happy Days. Uh, Sit on it, Potsy was the other one. It was pretty funny. Anyway, that's what I do with my downtime, sitting around the, the pool going, what am I doing, you know? Exodus 16, verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. So here we go. They're out. They're on their way. They're going through five tests. They're, they're getting out of Egypt. They're, they're getting on their way. It's time to get out there and to journey. If you look there at verse 7, and in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord. Do you see that thing about seeing the glory of the Lord? That's the first time the glory of the Lord is mentioned in that phrase like that, seeing it. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. So that's where we're at. We're in the wilderness. Look, if you will, I'm looking for the manna. Where'd it go? Verse 15. <laughs> we'll get there. Verse 14, and when the dew that, that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. And they eat manna, verse 35, and the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came under the borders of the land of Canaan. And what was in the land of Canaan? It was a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. So the, here the Lord has got providing in the picture all the way up to the kingdom. Because when they're in the kingdom, that's the good stuff. What are they out here doing? They're eating manna. They're eating this. And you know what Israel did? They, well, they thumbed their nose at it. And they're like, hey, we want the flesh pots of Egypt again and all this stuff. And, and then you've got their rebellion that comes up and their rebellion that happens. And again, uh, manna, Psalm 78, verse 24 says that, and, uh, and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them the corn of heaven man did eat angels food he sent them meat to the full so angels food that isn't uh did you get cold yeah i don't the air came on i guess so anyway angels food that in the cake it's what it's manna so when you come back to to mark six actually go over to numbers 27 in Mark 6, that they're about as sheep not having a shepherd. We didn't look at that, did we? Numbers 27. Look at Numbers 27. So in Mark 6 there, verse 34, they were as sheep not having a shepherd. Uh, look at Numbers 27 and verse 15. Numbers 27, 15. 
Now, this is going to be Joshua appointed and to take over when Moses dies. Verse 15. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep without, uh, which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and off you go. It's interesting that that, that phrase, a sheep not having a shepherd, has a very special meaning in Israel's history. And that is that there's going to be one, go, go back to Mark 6, that's going to take the place of Moses. And the Lord stands there, not in the spirit of Elijah, but as the prophet like unto Moses. And he stands there. See, that's what the Lord asked, says to him. If you guys had believed who I was, John the Baptist would have been Elijah, and I would have been the prophet. Now, by the way, they still would have cru had to crucify him. But it wouldn't have been done with wicked hands. See? They still had to have that spiritual sacrifice take place. So the death of the uh, death, burial, and resurrection still had to take place for that, for that spiritual component to be, for the, for the righteous blood to be shed. They didn't have it. He did. But it wouldn't have been done with the wicked hand aspect. So when you come back to Mark 6 here, here's the one who is the prophet like unto Moses. And it's not a, again, when Christ is talking to him here, that's what he's, that's what's going through his mind, is all of these, pat and he's like, guys, I'm the one, here I am. So they were missing it, they weren't catching it, they're looking at it going, how are you going to feed all these people? See, they're looking at the moment and missing the big, and the Lord is laying in the big. Here's the, here, I'm here to fulfill. So verse 40, well, actually verse 39. They're going to sit by companies upon green grass. Does that sound familiar? Psalms 23. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Hey, he, the Lord, he leads us by the river, the green grass. And all. Here he is. See, those little things wouldn't have been lost on the believer, on, the, on a, anyone, any Jew who understood his Bible. He'd have caught that. Um, notice they, they're going to, verse 40, they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Now, that's important because that shows the wisdom on the moment. You've got this 5,000 men plus women and children, we find out in the other accounts. And what's going to happen when it's time to eat? When we have the potluck next door, I've got to tell everybody like 10 times, don't go rushing through the door, let the ladies tell you when it's ready. Why? Because it's time to eat, we're going to stampede. So they, they, he sets them out. Uh, come back with me to Exodus 18. He sets them in ranks of by hundreds and by fifties. And that's key. That's a critical thing. He organizes them 
in, in, in a very unique and special manner. Exodus 18 and verse 21. Now this is Moses here, and he's organizing up Israel. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. Moses organized Israel in thousands, hundreds, tens, and fifties, and tens. So in Mark 6, when the Lord, when they set this up, how did they rank him? Hundreds and fifties. And what he's doing here is he's demonstrating to the people this guy is following Moses. The one we follow, he's following by look at how he organized us. He didn't just let it go, you know, okay, everybody over here, from here, here. No, he set it up. He organized them. Why? Because he knew to follow Moses. And again, it's all the little things, the green grass, Psalms 23, the, the different things that are here that would make a believing Israelite know that what he's doing is he's demonstrating that he is who? Messiah. He's Jehovah. They're seeing the big thing here. Psalm 78, all, Psalms 105, it told them all about the wilderness. And right in the midst of all that trouble, John the Baptist has been murdered. The rank unbelief in the nation. He's sent them out. And yet, what is he doing? He's now providing for them. He's Stepping up and saying, I am the Messiah. I am Jehovah. I'm the one that's going to provide for you. I'm, I'm providing bread for the people. I'm doing it in the wilderness. I'm out here away from town. I'm out in the desert place here, secluded. I'm out and I'm about. Now, verse 42. And they did all eat and were, what? Filled. Nobody went home hungry. They, he took them, he, break, he, break, he breaks the bread, he b- blessed it, and out they go. Sets it before them, verse 41 there. There's no stampede, it's organized, the wisdom of it, following Moses, sets it there, feeds them. Verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of f- the fragments and of the fishes. When he says fragments here he's not talking about crumbs okay you you be nuts how people do this oh he's out there just they're out there no look at 41 and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes he he looked up to heaven and blessed them and he and what break the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them and the two fishes divided he among them all so the fragments he, they're picking up the pieces. So in other words, he's over here, and he's like, all right, this is a section. He breaks it up. Everybody in the section eats, and there's still stuff left there on the table. He comes over here, breaks up the bread, does, and there's still stuff. And they literally had enough. They had 12 baskets full. Enough for the whole nation. Not just who was in the room, 5,000, but the whole nation. And that's going to paint the picture of 2 Kings. So run back to 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4. 
You see, the whole nation was to be blessed. 2 Kings 4, you have the widow's oil and Elisha. By the way, Elisha shows up. He doubles up what Elijah did miracle-wise. Miracle-wise. He did, more, he did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Why? Because he was, he was carrying the second blessing in and, and and that picture. So in 2 Kings 4, the first five verses, she's got this oil, this little bitty thing of oil. And Elisha shows up, verse, well, just verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy, the house, thine house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee a vessel abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet another, uh, yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil, what? Stayed. Why? Because he had told her, You make me bread first. She did. And what's happening with the oil? It's enough. Not only is it enough to take care of her and her sons, it's now enough to take care of the nation. Okay? Drop down to verse 42. Verse 42. And there came a man from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and full ears of corn and husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. He's bringing in his tithe. And he brings it to Elisha. And he says, take it and give it to everybody so they can eat. And his servitor said, what should I set this, what should I set this before a hundred men? And he said again, give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. And think about this. The servitor, he looks around and goes, this isn't enough to feed everybody. Well, what's the word? Give it to them, let them eat, and, and, and when he says, and shall leave thereof, there will be leftovers. Okay? So he said it before them, and they did eat and left thereof, according to the word of the Lord. Guess what? They did eat, they were full, and they left over. So when they're finished, what are they? They're satisfied. What's going to happen in the kingdom? They're going to be, there's leftovers. So when you come back here to Mark 6, what the Lord is doing is he is demonstrating what the Old Testament said that Jehovah, the Messiah, will do, will provide for Israel in the kingdom. What is he going to provide? They're going to be satisfied. They're going to be full. They're, they're not going to have to worry about anything else. It's all done. 644, and they did eat of the loaves 
they, I'm sorry, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000. There's a thing here that, that whole, the 12 baskets, the whole nation is going to be satisfied. They ate, how many? 5,000. Now, before, we got a few minutes before the hour, look back up at verse 36, because there's something in here that I want to catch before moving along. But notice verse 36. And actually, we'll deal with walking on the sea next time. Just look at verse 36. Look at what the disciples say here. He send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. You know what the disciples say? Let them go figure it out on their own. Let them go. <laughs> they want the Lord to just send them away from the they want, them, they want the Lord to send them away from Jehovah, the one who's going to provide life and substance and food. Just send them away, Lord. Okay? Now, look, look down at verse 52. For they considered not the what? The miracle of the loaves. For their heart was hardened. Now, come over to John 6. John chapter 6. All right. So after the feeding of the 5000 and after he walks on the water with the storm, the Lord is going to take this opportunity to kind of straighten them out a little bit. He's going to give them an opportunity. He's going to take the occasion to teach them what the bread symbolized, what it meant meant. He's going to do it, and, 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 and you really see it in John 6. So just look there, okay? John 6. In John 6, you start in verse 22. The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw. So in, in verse 6, you've got the feeding down through uh, 59. You have the, uh, the discussion about the bread. If you notice verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Okay, so the feeding of the 5,000 is in the first 14 verses. Verse 15 to 21 is the, the walking on the water, the storm. Mark 6.52 says they hardened their hearts. They hadn't considered the miracle of the loaves. He then takes the opportunity in 22 to 59 to tell them what the bread meant. So they've got that understanding. Now look at verse 60. Are you with me? We did that really quick, other than reading all the verses. Who is he? He is the bread of life. That's who he is. Verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Now watch, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. The disciples send them away, Lord, and he's like, wait a second, life is right here. You guys aren't catching this. You don't understand what the bread's representing. The bread's representing me as life, giving. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Isn't that interesting? And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Ah, fettering out the unbelieving element, even amongst his own disciples. 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Now, okay, so here's the apostles. Will ye also go away? Okay, you see these guys. Hey, guys, they just left. Will you leave too? Now watch Peter. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, wait a minute. You just told the 5,000 to take a hike. And now, after the Lord taking the occasion to train them, teach them, what's Peter saying? Ah, you're, the, you're where the life is. <laughs> we ain't going anywhere, man. Then why did they say these guys? They, it's immaturity. It's just they're, they're caught up in the moment. They're looking at the physical rather than the spiritual. What they do when they came into the Lord, Mark 6, they told him what they did and then what they taught. He, they got it all kind of jumbled up, and he's squaring them away. So what he's doing here is he's, who's going to feed them? Mark 6. Who's going to feed them? Let them, go, let them go to town, get their own food. Man, that one family, they got like eight kids. What are you talking about? We got to feed eight of them? You know? Eight plus mom and dad. That's ten of them to feed. Boy, I'm going to feed those mouths. You know, and it's like, wait a second. You're the one. He's the one that's going to provide the abundant provision that never runs out. So Mark here, he, he's letting them know there's nowhere else to go. Can't go anywhere else. He's the one. And again, Mark is bottom lining this. He's not filling in a lot. Of, see, we were in John 6 to get some of the details. We're in Luke 9 to get some of the details. Mark is, this is what he did. Now, we'll catch the walking on the water because we only got like five minutes before the top of the hour next time, and we'll, we'll work down through that because what you see, what you don't see in Mark is the great discussion about what the bread means. You see that in John 6. And what happens in Mark is he's going to move right along in the, in the miracles issue, and uh, he'll, by the way, he's going to feed 4,000 in, in, in chapter 8. That's a completely different issue. The 5,000 here, again, he's demonstrating that he is the one. He's the Messiah. The, believing, the believers get it. They follow on. The unbelievers get, boom. And uh, ultimately, in the end, all 12 tribes are going to be provided for. The whole nation will be taken care of. And that's the picture that he's painting. Okay? So... Don't miss the little details in the feeding of the 5,000. And there's just, and I mean, if you think about 5 and 2, you think about the 5,000, those, those numbers mean stuff in Israel's history. 
Um, the, uh, in, in the Acts period, the first uh, converts there in Acts 2, there are 3,000 added to the church. And that's because Exodus 32, 3,000 of them die in one, in one day. And there's a whole thing about that. So those numbers begin to, to, to uh, they mean something. They're just not tossed out there. There's some significance to it, okay? All right, so we'll pick up Mark 6. We'll look at walking on the sea, walking on the water next time and uh, move down into to what's going on, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for the time spent in your word and the study of it and the enlightenment that we get from it and the caution that we have and yet at the same time the, the wonderment we have at your word and that it is spirit and that it is life. In your name we pray, amen.